0: Matthew chapter 4. Look at verse 18 if you would. The Bible says, the word of God says, And Jesus, walking by the sea of Galilee, saw two brethren. Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And he saith unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And they straightway left their nets and followed him. And going on from thence, he saw other two brethren, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in a ship, with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, and he called them. And they immediately left the ship and their father and followed him. And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching their synagogues, and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. And his fame went throughout all Syria. They brought in him all sick people that were taken with diverse diseases, Uh, in torments and those which were possessed with devils and those which were lunatic and those that had had a palsy and he healed them and there followed him great multitudes of people from galilee from decapolis from jerusalem from judea and from beyond jordan it's difficult to imagine what it had to have been like for these 12 men that left everything and i mean they left everything to follow jesus simon peter and andrew walked away from their nets they walked away from their boats, they walked away from their their fishing business to follow Jesus. James and John left their fishing business as well. Then you have, of course, Philip and Bartholomew and Matthew and Thomas and and James and Simon and, and Judas and Judas Iscariot, these 12 ordinary men who left everything, including their family, including their homes, to follow Jesus. And as I thought on that, I thought, what an amazing journey they had. What a time that was. And these disciples, they, they personally heard Jesus teach. John 7, 46 says, never man spake like this man. These disciples, they, they watched and they heard Jesus pray. And when they heard Jesus pray, the, the prayers of Jesus, they, it moved them deeply. The Bible says it came to pass as he was praying in a certain place when he ceased. In Luke one one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. They heard Jesus teach. They heard Jesus pray. They personally witnessed Jesus heal the sick. They observed him heal the sick and diseased. They were there. They watched him give sight to the blind. They personally observed Jesus enable the mute to speak. They watched him give hearing to the deaf. They, they saw him give strength to the crippled man's legs. They watched him walk on the water of the Sea of Galilee. They saw him steal the storm with a word. They watched as he fed the multitudes with a few loaves and a few fish. They were there when he healed the woman with the issue of blood. Raised Jairus' daughter, set the demoniac free, turned the water into wine, healed the man, lowered through the roof of their, The disciples were there. They saw it all. The journey with Jesus was life-changing. It was unforgettable. It was truly amazing. Jesus traveled extensively in that region, and every trip he took it caught the people's attention. Our Lord's fame rose exponentially in massive multitudes of people. They followed him gladly, and the 12 were there. They saw it all. They were part of it all. These were the 12 that had been personally chosen by Jesus Christ. What a time this was. Can you even picture with me? This group as they watched and listened. At the triumphal entry into Jerusalem as the multitudes cried out Hosanna. They were there. They saw what a journey they had. For three and a half years. It had been an exhilarating ride. They saw so much. They they heard so much. So many lives had been touched by Jesus. So many lives transformed by Jesus. Their own lives so greatly impacted by Jesus. They spent day and night for three and a half years with the Son of God. Unimaginable. Unforgettable. Sure, there have been challenging times. But overall, what a a journey. And they had been there with Jesus, and they had seen it all. But then came that night in the Garden of Gethsemane. Matthew chapter 26 tells us what happened. If you look at verse 47. In Matthew 26, 47, the Bible says, while he yet spake. Lo, Judas, one of the twelve, came, and with him a great multitude with swords and staves from the chief priests and elders of the people. Verse 48 of Matthew 26. Now he that betrayed him gave them a sign, saying, Whomsoever I shall kiss the same as he, hold him fast. And forthwith he came to Jesus and said, Hail, Master, and he kissed him. And Jesus said unto him, Friend, wherefore art thou come? Then came they and laid hands on Jesus and took him. And behold, one of them, which were with Jesus, stretched out his hand and drew his sword and struck his servant of the high priest and smote off his ear. Then said Jesus unto him, Put up again thy sword and do his place. For all they that take the sword shall perish with the sword. Thinkest thou that I cannot now pray to my father, and he shall presently give me more than twelve legions of angels? But how then shall the scriptures be fulfilled that thus it must be? In that same hour said Jesus to the multitudes, Are you come out as against a thief, with swords and staves for to take me? I sat daily with you, teaching in the temple. Ye laid no hold on me. But all this was done, that the scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled. Then notice what it says. Then all the disciples forsook him and fled. Then all the disciples forsook him. And they fled. After all that these disciples had personally seen, after all these disciples had personally heard, all they all they'd witnessed, all they'd been a part of that dark night in Gethsemane, it suddenly became rather inconvenient to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. Inconvenient means disadvantageous. It means giving trouble or uneasiness. It means increasing the difficulty of, of progress or success. do not you think with me if you would? It was, it was convenient. It was advantageous to be a disciple of Jesus Christ when the multitudes roared His name. It was easy. To be a disciple of Jesus when the the crowd laid the palm branches on the pathway leading into Jerusalem. Uh, It was fun. It was was easy. It was convenient to be a disciple of Jesus Christ when they heard their names mentioned with his uh, with regard to one of the many mighty works. It was fun walking on the water for Peter. It was fun seeing him turn water into wine. It was fun watching him stop the mourning by raising the dead. It was great. It was very convenient to be a disciple uh, when the massive crowds called out his name. But this was different. The tide had changed. And when the mob came with their swords and they came with their staves to arrest the Lord, when the going got rough, Suddenly, it became incredibly inconvenient to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And when it became inconvenient, all the disciples forsook him and fled. I grew up in a home where my mom and dad loved each other and they loved God. My parents demonstrated love for God, they demonstrated love for God's Word, they demonstrated a love for God's church, and they taught us to do the same. It was customary in her house to see and hear the word of God. It was customary in her house to sing songs about God's word. Uh, God's word was talked about. God's word was promoted on a daily basis. And the Rasmussen household growing up, it was very convenient to be a Christian. I attended Faith Baptist Church and Faith Baptist Schools where the, the Bible was promoted. And the Bible was taught. Scripture memory was encouraged the christian life was modeled by the faculty and staff it was convenient to be a christian i grew up in a youth group at our church with a godly youth leader and his wife who lived for god and stood for god and god's word was encouraged it was it was challenged it was it was modeled it was convenient to be a christian i attended bible college we were taught that the word of god was so important, absolutely all important. We were repeatedly taught that serving God with our lives was the greatest thing we could ever do in our lives. It was convenient to live for God. It was convenient to serve God when I was a Bible college. I accepted Jesus Christ as my personal Savior on May 13th, 1990 and after that time I worked on a church staff in Knoxville, Tennessee for six and a half years where I grew as a Christian as a believer under the, the biblical preaching and teaching of a man of God who, who stood for God and he taught the word of God and the things of God. It's just what was done in that ministry. It was convenient to be a Christian. In 1996, God called my wife and myself and our very young family to California, where for 23 years we had the incredible privilege to serve God with my dad. Who faithfully stood for God and faithfully stood for the word of God Faithfully stood for God's church. Faithfully stood for the things of God. It's just what my dad did. It was customary to stand for God at Faith Baptist. uh, It was a church that has been known to stand up and speak up for God. It's just what we did. It was normal. It was customary. It was convenient to be a Christian. (coughs) It would be a massive understatement to say that this world has dramatically changed since the days I grew up as a young person in the San Fernando Valley at Faith Baptist Church. This world has drifted away from God and from spiritual moorings in a, a frightening way and an alarming pace. When I grew up, not that long ago, it was normal to see almost everything closed on Sunday. Almost everyone I knew went to church on Sunday. When I was growing up, marriage was respected and good marriages were emulated. When I was growing up, pastors were looked up to, churches were respected. When I was growing up, my teachers and the people that were role models of my life, they modeled biblical Christianity. When I was growing up, my youth leaders led the way by living godly lives themselves. But boy, things have changed, haven't they? The pressure is intensifying, isn't it? Not only to, to tolerate, but to embrace issues that the word of God clearly speaks about. And young people, we live in a day where too many are more than content to be disciples in disguise. They're okay with being camouflaged Christians. But let's just be honest, today it has become increasingly inconvenient to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. I mean, 2020 is clearly a year we'll none of us ever forget. I mean, all the COVID stuff has been bad enough, but it seems like everything that comes our way, we think, well, you know, it's 2020. Yeah, my car broke down. Oh, yeah, you know, it's 2020. Uh, I had a flat tire. Yeah, well, remember, it's 2020. I lost my job. Well, you know, it's 2020. I'm having a horrible time in that class. Well, it's 2020 after all. And so in a day and time when there's so much confusion, there is, isn't there. So much that's difficult to navigate through. I want us to remember that God's word is a lamp into our feet. It's a light into our path. I'll never forget. I was with a pastor in Colorado and he took me to a place called the Cave of the Winds. And they took us back deep into this cave. And when we got back deep in that cave, the guide said, now, listen, uh, I want you to prepare yourself. He said, I'm going to turn the lights off. He said, so you need to hold on to something you need to to secure yourself because I'm going to turn the lights off, and it's going to be notably different from what you're seeing right now. And so we all got ourselves ready, and we held on to something, and he turned the lights off. And I'm telling you, you couldn't see anything. You literally couldn't see the hand in front of your face. And it feels like that, that way sometimes in America, doesn't it? I mean, where are we headed? Where are we going? I mean, what are we supposed to do? I read a book a number of years ago about William B. Travis and the Alamo and how William B. Travis with this small group of men were going to hold that that little mission against Santa Ana and his his overwhelming forces. And William B. Travis took his sword out and he drew a line in the sand and he said, look, if you're going to cross this line and stand with me, so be it. If you're not, that's fine. But here's the line in the sand. And I think we need to draw a line in the sand. And decide where we stand. A number of years ago, I remember I was testing for my black belt in karate. And I, I remember very well, my, my teacher, my instructor, he met with us and he asked us if we knew what it meant to be a black belt. And I, I had no idea and I was hoping it was something that was really epic. But it wasn't. He said to be a black belt is simply to be a master of the basics. And I thought about that. I thought, a master of the basics. Let me say, it may have become inconvenient for some people, but I want to tell you, I believe the Bible is the word of God. And I believe the Bible, the word of God, is our sole rule for faith and practice. The word of God says all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction and in righteousness. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but by holy men of God who were moved by the Holy Ghost. And you know what you say? You know what? Hey, we believe that. We're in Bible college. Well, I have to ask you a question. Are you really reading it? Oh, we we believe that. Are we studying it? Are we memorizing it? I mean, when was the last time we committed a verse to memory? Are we living it? You see, it's one thing to say, well, yeah, I, I believe that. I, I stand there. I believe that. But, but are we doing them? You see, we would stand up and say, hey, I, I believe Jesus Christ is, is God in the flesh. I believe he's the only means of salvation. The word of God is very clear on that, and it is. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh on the Father but by me. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there's none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And I want to tell you, it took me almost 25 years to come to Jesus Christ personally, and that was after Christian school, that was after Christian college, that was after teaching in a Christian college for four years. Well, you say, well, Hey, I believe, hey, look, I believe that I'm saved. I'm a Christian. I believe, I believe all that. I believe Jesus Christ is the only means of salvation. But when was the last time we intentionally shared the gospel with somebody personally? You see, sometimes it seems like it's kind of inconvenient to be a Christian. Well, I I believe that, Pastor Tim. Oh, no, listen, as Christians, we represent Jesus Christ. How are we doing with that? I'll never forget. My dad called me in one day and he said, son, do you know what your name means? And I said, dad, I I have I have no idea what my name means. He said, son, your name means to honor God. He said, son, how are you doing with that? See, we need to remember who's we are. God wants us to live holy lives. How are we doing with that? God wants us to be witnesses. How are we doing with that? You see, we need to make sure that we remember who we are. Who must always come before what? So I've got, I've got some questions for us today. I want you to, to think about with me for a few moments. So it might seem inconvenient when we've not studied like we should. I have studied for a test and we're tempted to cheat on that test Uh, but it's then that we need to be committed to be a devoted follower of Jesus Christ. It might not seem convenient, but we need to be all in. It might seem inconvenient when we're tempted to break the rules that God's placed us under here at West Coast Baptist College, but, but it's then we need a purpose to be a devoted follower of Jesus Christ. It might seem inconvenient when you're alone in your room and you're tempted to visit a website that you know you shouldn't visit or an app that you should not be a part of, but you see it's then that you need a purpose to be a devoted follower of Jesus Christ. It might seem inconvenient when you're away from the spiritual authorities in your life and you're tempted to walk in a disobedient way, but you see it's then that we need a purpose to be a devoted follower of Jesus Christ. It might seem inconvenient when you're sorely tempted to take a shortcut rather than the way that you know you should take God's way for your life, but you see it's then that we need a purpose to be a devoted follower of Jesus Christ. It might seem really inconvenient when you're at work and some unsafe co-workers encourage you to join them for an activity that you know you shouldn't be a part of. But it's then that we need to be ...purposing to be a devoted follower of Jesus Christ. It might seem inconvenient... ...in the busyness of your schedule... ...when you know you faithfully need to spend time with God... ...in His Word and on your knees... ...but you're tired, you're incredibly busy... ...but it's then we need to purpose... ...to be a devoted follower of Jesus Christ. It might seem inconvenient when you're tempted... ...and you want to listen to music... ...that you know is not allowed that you know is not going to help you. But it's then that you need a purpose to be a devoted follower of Jesus Christ. It might seem convenient to read or watch something that you know doesn't honor or glorify the Lord. But look, it's then that we need a purpose to be a devoted follower of Jesus Christ. It might seem inconvenient when you're tempted to lie in your ministry report you know, just leave off a couple things and, you know, just, just change a little bit. But it's then that we need a purpose to be a devoted follower of Jesus Christ. It might seem inconvenient when you have to report on a class project that you know you've not completed, but it's then that we need a purpose to be a devoted follower of Jesus Christ. It might seem inconvenient to give someone a gospel track and we think, I just don't want to give that person one. Well, look, it's then we need a purpose to be a devoted follower of Jesus Christ. It might seem inconvenient when you're tempted to take that thing from your roommate or that person down the hall and you know it doesn't belong to you, but it's then you need a purpose and I need a purpose to be a devoted follower of Jesus Christ. It might seem inconvenient to tell the truth when a lie seems so accessible at that moment. But it's then we need a purpose to be a devoted follower of Jesus Christ. It it might seem inconvenient to take responsibility for your actions when it would be a whole lot easier, it seems, to, to pin them on someone else and throw them under the bus. But it's then we need a purpose to be a devoted follower of Jesus Christ. How are we doing with that? Again, it was really nice for the disciples when they were walking on the water and turning the water into wine and, you know, raising dead people. And man, and man, it was great. But in the Garden of Gethsemane, you know, when all of a sudden things weren't looking so smooth and then we're looking so good. They did. Hey, hey, I'm out of here. It's inconvenient now. I'll never forget. I was driving across country. With my friend, Ray, we had graduated from high school together, and we were driving across country to go to Bible college. And we got lost. And we were in Arizona, and I remember we looked up, and we were all of a sudden we were at the town of Bedrock, Arizona. I mean, Fred, Wilma, and Barney. And I said, Ray, I said, I've never seen that before. And he said, I've never seen it either. We pulled out our map, and we'd we'd gotten way off track. We'd taken the wrong interchange, and we'd gotten off track. We were about an hour out of the way. And the only way that I could get back on the right road was to follow the map. And God makes it very clear in his word that the chief end of man is to glorify God. No matter who you're with. No matter where you are. No matter what pressure you face. You think of Daniel, what well the Bible says in Daniel 1.8, Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself. He said, you know what, I'm willing to be an inconvenient disciple. I'm willing to stand. During the days of the mighty Roman Empire, there was a, an emperor named Nero whose passion was the annihilation of Christians. There was during those times a band of soldiers known as the emperor's wrestlers. These men were picked from the bravest and best of the land. They were recruited from the great athletes and warriors of the Roman amphitheater. And the great amphitheater, these mighty men were able to defeat all challengers. And before each contest, they stood before the emperor's throne. And they sounded the cry, We the wrestlers, wrestling for thee, O emperor, to win for thee the victory and from thee the victor's crown. When this great Roman army was sent to fight in faraway Gaul, no soldiers were braver. No soldiers were more loyal than this band of wrestlers led by their centurion, Vespasian. But the problem was, word reached Nero that many of his chosen wrestlers had accepted and embraced the Christian faith, and they had become bold followers, bold followers of Jesus Christ. To be a Christian meant death even to those who served Nero best. Therefore, the decree was straightway dispatched to the centurion, Vespasian. If there be any among the soldiers who cling to their faith in Jesus Christ, they must die. The decree was received in the dead of winter. The soldiers were camped on the shore of a frozen inland lake. The winter had been very hard, but the many hardships they had endured together only served to unite this group of warriors more closely. It was with sinking heart that Vespasian read the emperor's message. Vespasian called the soldiers together and he asked the question, are there any among you who cling to the faith of the Christian? If so, let him step forward. Oh, that's when it would become inconvenient, wouldn't it? That's when it would become difficult, wouldn't it? That's when we would just be tempted to keep our mouths shut, wouldn't it? But instantly, 40 wrestlers stepped forward two paces, respectfully saluted, and stood at attention. 40. Vespasian paused. He, he had not expected so many. The decree has come from your emperor, he said, that any who cling to their faith in Jesus Christ must die. Not one of the 40 moved. I will give you until sundown for your answer, said Vespasian. Sundown came, and again, the question was asked, are there any among you who claim to the faith of the Christian? If so, let him step forward. Again, the 40 wrestlers stepped forward and stood at attention. Vespasian pleaded with them long and earnestly without prevailing upon a single man to deny his Lord. And finally he said, the decree of your emperor must be obeyed, but I am not willing that your blood be on your comrades. I'm going to order you that you march out upon the lake of ice and I will leave you there to the mercy of the elements. He said, however, I will have a fire wedding to welcome any willing to renounce their faith in Christ. 40 wrestlers were stripped of their clothing and armor, and without a word, they turned into four columns. They marched out in the lake of ice. As they marched, they broke into the chorus with the old chant of the arena 40 wrestlers wrestling for thee, O Christ, to win for thee the victory and from thee the victor's crown. Through the long hours of the night, Vespasian the centurion stood by that fire and waited all through the night. There came to him, fainter and fainter, the wrestler's song. 40 wrestlers wrestling for Thee, O Christ to win for thee the victory and from thee the victor's crown. As morning drew near, one man overcome by exposure crept quietly toward the fire. In the extremity of his suffering, he had renounced his Lord. Faintly but clearly from out of the darkness again came the song. 39 wrestlers wrestling for Thee, O Christ. to win for thee the victory and from thee the victor's crown. Vespasian looked at that figure drawing close to the fire and and then he heard from the darkness again that song of faith, 39 wrestlers wrestling for thee, O Christ, to win for thee the victory and from thee the victor's crown. Without a word, off came Vespasian's helmet, down went his shield and armor. Vespasian sprang upon the ice, shouting, I too want to follow Christ. once again, through the darkness, you could hear the resounding cry, 40 wrestlers wrestling for thee, O Christ, to win for thee the victory, and from thee the victor's crown. You see, the word of God says, whosoever therefore shall confess me before men, him will I confess also before my Father, which is in heaven. In 1980, there was a man in Rwanda who was forced by his tribe to either renounce Christ or face certain death. He refused to announce Christ, renounce Christ. And the night before this took place, his death, he wrote these words on the wall of his room. I am part of the fellowship of the unashamed. The die has been cast. I've stepped over the line. The decision has been made. I am a disciple of Jesus Christ. I will not look back. I will not let up. I will not slow down. I will not back away. I will not be still. My past is redeemed. My present makes sense. My future is secure. I am finished with and done with low living Sight walking, small planning, smooth knees, colorless dreams, chintzy giving, and dwarf goals. I no longer need preeminence, prosperity, positions, promotions, plaudits, or popularity. I now live by presence, lean by faith, love by patience, lift by prayer, labor by power. My pace is set. My gait is fast. My goal is heaven. My road is narrow. My way is rough. My companions few, but my guide is reliable. My mission is clear. I cannot be bought. I cannot be compromised. I cannot be deterred. I cannot be lured away. I cannot be turned back. I cannot be deluded. I cannot be delayed. I will not flinch in the face of sacrifice. I will not hesitate in the presence of adversity. I will not negotiate at the table of the enemy. I will not ponder at the pool of popularity. I will not meander in the maze of mediocrity. I am a disciple of Jesus Christ. And I must go until heaven returns, give until I drop, preach until I'll know, and work until he comes. And when he comes to get his own, he will have no problem recognizing me. My colors will be clear. Are we willing to be disciples of Jesus Christ when it's inconvenient? I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. I remember when I was in Tennessee, I started a number of public school Bible clubs. I walk in a public school Bible club with my Bible and I remember they call me, hey, there's the Bible guy. There's the Bible man. I want to tell you what, I'm good with that. It's very simple. He loved me. He died for me. He paid the price of my redemption on Calvary. He saved me. He gave me his word to guide me. He He hears and answers my prayers. And I want to tell you today, I want to live for him. And the day is coming when I will stand. The day is coming when you will stand before our Savior. And I want to tell you, I want to hear those words on that day. Well done. like Spurgeon, who said, he wanted to stand before God and say, God, I love you. And to hear God answer back, I know you do, Charles. Life's not about Tim. It's about him. God wants you, and God wants me to glorify him with our lives. That is the chief end of man, regardless of whether it's convenient or not. It might seem inconvenient. You know, we're meeting outside. We're meeting under a tent. And my friend didn't come back. And what well, these people are discouraging me but we just need a purpose that we're going to be followers of Jesus Christ. Listen, he was all in for you. We had a purpose to be all in for him. I can't help but think of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Hey, king, our God's able if he wants, but even if not, we're we're not going to bow. It was inconvenient for everyone else, but they said, you know what, we're going to do is we're gonna be disciples of Christ, even when it's inconvenient. Whether therefore you eat or drink, or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. Tim, what's your name mean? I don't know, Dad, it means honor God. How are you doing with that? We're to glorify God in everything that we say and everything we do. Let's be honest with ourselves today. How are you doing with that?